Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Wow, the whole church just left. Ephesians chapter 4. Y'all have fun. Hey, some of you got to come back. I know you're not in children's church. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to talk about the uniqueness of the Christian life today. The uniqueness of the Christian life. And it's, it's great that uh, Rachel sang that song. Uh, I read this week uh, a research foundation study uh, that said six out of ten girls, six out of ten junior high, high school girls quit what they love doing, whatever it may be, sports or you just kind of broaden the category, whatever they love doing or something they love doing, six out of ten girls quit what they love doing because they're afraid of what? How they look. They're afraid of their appearance uh, in that particular activity. And one of the things we don't do very well in our society is embrace the uniqueness of who we are. Now, I'm not talking about in a sinful way, but I'm talking about in a God-given, directed, empowered, spirit-filled way. One of the things we want to teach our youth in this church, our young people, our children, and our adults, is that God has a purpose for you, is a plan for you, you are uniquely and wonderfully made. And we do not believe that God makes mistakes. Um, while you're turning to Ephesians 4, are you there? Did I tell you to turn to Ephesians 4? Ephesians 4, verse 11. We had a lot of big news this weekend. Forgive us if you're a guest. Guests, we're so glad that you're here this weekend. Uh, we, uh, uh, it's, it's an awesome time, and uh, you'll see who we are. We love to worship. We believe in declaring God is worthy of all praise and glory and honor. We believe in the power of the Word of God. We believe in praying for one another, and we do those things each and every week. We'd love to have you come back. A couple of family notes uh, this morning. Uh, first of all, uh, Rich, our associate pastor, is having surgery tomorrow to, for a hip replacement. He doesn't look old enough to have a hip replacement, but he is. He's that old. Uh, so uh, he's having his hip replaced tomorrow. So uh, pray for Rich, and I really pray for Meredith uh, during, this, during this time. Also yesterday, Coach Brian Shoup had his 900th win. Uh, so here's a picture of him and his family. Uh, Brenda is up with Emily, who is about to have a baby, uh, but the rest of the family, well, most some of the family was there to celebrate his 900th win. And also, uh, two of my children got engaged this weekend. Um, you may be shocked to hear this. Uh, one of them is not actually my daughter, but she is my daughter. I woke up to this uh, message. Sheila didn't know I was going to show this. So, Sheila and Joe, congratulations uh, on your engagement. And we're thrilled for Sheila and Joe. And uh, also yesterday, uh, Jared and Sarah got engaged. Uh, this is a picture of Jared proposing yesterday. So we celebrate with Jared. Sarah's parents, uh, Philip and Wendy, are with us this morning. So we're so glad that they could be here worshiping with us as well. Any, any other news? Anybody got any photos, family photos they want to show this morning? We'll just kind of make it that kind of... That kind of day. All right, Ephesians 4, verses 11 and following. Let's look at the Word of God together. It says this, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God 
and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now let me stop there for, I'm going to go on. But obviously this is a very important passage for us as a church. Uh, We get our name from this particular passage that we believe that God is calling us to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is God's goal, that is God's plan, that is his intent for us as not just individuals, but as a people, because God is looking for a people after his own name. Reading on, it says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Here's the premise for the morning, and I hope that we catch it. We've been looking over the past weeks about how um, the Christian life is an adventure, we're to live in contentment, and one of the underlying truths of both experiencing the adventure that God has for us as followers and living a life of contentment is to be the part that God has created and ordained and filled you to be. As Samuel was saying earlier, if you try to be a part that you are not, you are neither going to be content nor are you going to be living the adventure that God has for you. God has created us as a body, And as each body part is designed for a specific purpose, so you and I are created and designed and empowered for a purpose and a plan. And it really is to declare his glory to the world. And if we're trying to be something we aren't, then we will not only be miserable, we'll run out of our own strength and energy, uh, but we will not be helping each other. We won't be all that we're supposed to be. This passage in the Phillips translation, two verses say this, we are not meant to remain as children at the mercy of every chance wind of teaching, but we are meant to hold firmly to the truth in love and to grow up in every way into Christ the head. One of our challenges is to understand that we are uniquely made in the image of Christ, which may sound kind of like I'm saying two different things, but really it's the same. You are in his image, you are uniquely made in order that you can become all that God has for you and we can become all that God has for us. To be anything less than that is to be immature, is to remain as an infant. And that's not where we're to stay. We are to, to grow up into him who is Christ, who is the head. So let's look at some points that I think will help us um, aim in that direction. Because I, the, more I, uh, the longer I am a pastor and the more I talk to people, the more frustrated I see that people are. They're frustrated in not knowing who they are. They're, not frust- they're frustrated in not knowing what, they're, what God has for them. They, there's this tension that they want to do something, but they don't know what to do. And so what I'd like for us to do is hopefully this will help free us up a little bit to become 
all that God intends for us to become. So you ready? First point is this. You are unique. We're all unique. We're all different. Uh, We are made different. I am not a science major, but here's the limit of my chromosomal knowledge. You have 46 chromosomes. 23 from your father, 23 from your mother, and it's that unique combination of chromosomes that determines everything about what you look like and who you are, from the color of your eyes to the number of hairs on your head. Your identity, who you are, is part heredity. Uh, Here's a picture of a chromosome. It's a lovely thing. Um, The mathematical probability that you would get exactly the 23 chromosomes that you got from your mother is 0.5 to the 23rd power. 0.5 to the 23rd power. That's 1 in 10 million. That's the odds that you would get the exact number of chromosomes or the ones you got from your mother. Now, you also got another 23 from your father. If you do the mathematical formula, which I I spent a lot of time doing this week, uh, you would have 1 in 100 trillion are the odds that you would be who you are. God has made you unique. God has made you special. And that uniqueness is not bad. It is a good thing in who you are. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are all, all God's workmanship. You are God's masterpiece. He has a plan, a purpose, an intent for the way he created you. It says in Psalm 139 that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. We have so many unique and really Truth be told, what seems like strange people on this planet, do we not? Uh, This man is uh, Akiro Haraguchi, who's 60-something years old. His claim to fame is that he spent 16 hours reciting pi to the 100,000th decimal point. I can't even comprehend that. Here's here's pi to the 400th. Decimal point, you know, pi 3.141, is that right? 3.414, whatever it is, 141. Um, He says, here's what he says. What I'm aiming at is not just memorizing figures. I am thrilled by seeking a story in pi. I, I don't see it, but I'm sure that somewhere in the mathematical formula, spending 16 hours quoting pi, If that's not enough, you have this young man, Andrew Dahl, inflated 213 balloons with his nose. I don't even know where to go uh, with this. Um, Here's another guy, a British guy. uh, His his skill is balancing things on his head. Here he's balancing a mini uh, on his head, 352 pounds. Uh, Mini on his head, that car uh, on his head, which he did in England. Uh, another guy, Reuben Williams, unwrapped an 8.5 Ferrero Rocher chocolates. Is that how you say that? 
Roker, Rocher, Rocher, thank you, uh, Ferrero Rocher chocolates. He uh, unwrapped and ate five of them in one minute at De Herms in, in London. Uh, this man's claim to fame is that he plucked a chicken, uh, excuse me, plucked a, a turkey in one minute and 30 seconds. Uh, one minute and 30 seconds. This man's claim to fame, Van Birchfield, is that he used to go to our church, is that uh, he held one continuous note for 47 minutes, six seconds, one note, 47 minutes and six seconds, circular breathing. All of these people are in the Guinness Book of World Records, including Van. If that's not a picture that we are unique, that we are different, that God has made us with, and you know what? So many people, so many people are trying to find their identity in these unique skills. Now, what I want us to see this morning is that uniqueness is wonderful, but it doesn't clearly define everything about us. It says in Ephesians 4, 7, each, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Notice a similarity in these two passages. It's that each one, every single one of us, has been given something particular and unique and special. God has made you and gifted you in a particular way. Second point is this, that you all, we all, grow uniquely. We all grow uniquely. We don't all learn in the same way. We don't all learn at the same speed. We don't, we don't have the same ways of learning. Some experts say that there is many seven or eight or more different learning styles, but we're going to do an experiment just for fun to see how you learn. So get out your sermon outline. So you wake up your neighbor and say, oh wait, Pastor Bart's giving us a test. Um, get out a sermon outline and you're going to write number one, two, or three depending on how you would answer this question, okay? Are you with me? You got a piece of paper? One, two, or three. Here's the first question. Your mother says, don't touch the stove. It can burn you. What do you do? Number one, hear your mother, believe the information, and not touch. Or number two, watch her cook on the stove, see it burn stuff, or watch your brother touch it and burn himself and you never touch it. Or, number three, touch it, probably only once, to learn for yourself. So of those three, which are, you, are you a one, two, or three? Put one, two, or three down on paper. Some of you, one, two, or three on your paper. Okay, second question. I'm moving on. Here we go. Second question. You need to paint a room, except for TV. TV, oh, he's downstairs. Don't paint a room with TV. TV. How much paint and what supplies do you need? Number one. You call a painter, a friend, or paint store and ask them instructions. You even go to the class at Lowe's to learn how to paint. Number two, you look online for answers. Go to a bookstore, find magazines, read the back of the paint can. Or number three, you go buy a can of paint, a brush, and start painting. If there's not enough paint or you have the wrong brush, you buy more. Keep painting till you learn how. Are you a one, two, or three? Now, don't answer your friend's paper. Uh, answer only, only your own. All right, if you answered number one, then in general, you are a listening learner. 
a listening learner, and you learn primarily through hearing. Or if you answer both questions number two, you might be a seeing learner and learn primarily through reading. Or you might be number three, which is an experiential learner and learn primarily through doing. And then there are any number of combinations of these. Now, one of the things we, uh, that's remarkable is that we think everybody learns like we learn. And so when somebody else, and we try to teach, for instance, if, our, if you're a parent and you try to teach your children through your particular method of learning, and they don't learn like that, then you're both, homeschooling is going to be rough. That's about the day you put your kids in school, uh, right then when you realize they don't learn like you learn. Uh, and the same thing with spouses or other friends that we have or staff members or whoever. We don't all learn and act in the same way because we're not only uniquely made, we learn in different ways. I think it's one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul is saying to the church, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. Now, I understand that the spiritual gifts of men were given because they all serve different functions, but possibly they could also be given as they... What is their purpose in this passage? Why were they given? To prepare the body, the people, for works of service. They weren't to do the works of service. They're to prepare the body, teach us how to do those works of service. One of the reasons we need these varieties of gifts and these varieties of ways of teaching or being or demonstrating is because we all learn differently. God has made us different. And if you look at the New Testament, you see this played out in a number of different individuals within the New Testament. Peter and the apostles, they learned under Jesus. He taught them, he showed them, he demonstrated, he released them, he evaluated with them. He didn't just tell them what to do and then send them out. He showed them, he let them do it as well in order that they could all grow up and to do and to be what they were supposed to be. The new believers stayed under the apostles' teaching until the uh, persecution came and scattered them. Paul went into the desert, learned from Jesus. Timothy studied under Paul, and then as a leader, Apollos learned a lot on his own and then learned uh, with Priscilla and Aquila. I mean, you get a variety of number of people learning in various ways because we all grow uniquely. Galatians 6, 4 and the message says this, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility by doing the creative best you can with your own life. A number of years ago, a, a famous rabbi said this, he said, when he, he says, in the world to come, I will not be asked, why were you not Moses? I will be asked, why were you not Susa, which is his name? Why were you not Paul? I'm going to be asked, why were you not Bart? Why were you not the person that I made you and created you to be? 
one of the classes we have here that we got from Rick Warren is that we have an indiv- each of us has a unique and individual shape that makes us up. We have spiritual gifts that have been given to us by God that are unique. All the spiritual gifts that are given are needed for the building up of the body of Christ. We have different heart motivations. We have different abilities, skills, talents. We have a different personality types. We're not all the same, and we all have different experiences. And really, all of these things go into making up who we are. And it's important for us to discover these various things in order that we can grow in the way and be the people that God has called us to be. So we're not only unique, but we grow uniquely. But the third point, which is very important, is this. We all grow uniquely, but we're all growing towards the same goal. Here's where, so far, we might be able to have given a talk at any setting on the planet where we talk about uniqueness and we talk about how we grow uniquely. But what separates us as the body of Christ as different is that this, you are all, we are all growing towards Christ-likeness. In other words, I told you about my, a long time ago, I told you about my eighth grade algebra teacher who was a, obviously had a Hindu influence in his life. And he used to teach us, this is my algebra teacher in eighth grade, he used to say, you are a perfect whatever you are. You are a perfect whatever you are. Um, The problem with that is that really we're all perfect sinners, right? I mean, unfortunately, ultimately, when it comes right down to it, though we're unique and we grow uniquely, we need to not say, I am perfect in whatever I am in the sense of perfect in my sin. Because God sent his only son to die for us in order that our sins would be forgiven and the real me could break out. The real person that he's created could grow into Christ-likeness. For over half a century, a sculpture that was really unfinished and ugly, it was an 18-foot block of marble that uh, had been started by a famous... um, sculpture, but it left it was left unfinished, and it was really an eyesore uh, in the city of Florence. A young artist by the name of Michelangelo saw the marble and got it and spent the next four years of his life carving the most famous sculpture of all time, David. 18 feet tall, As he chiseled, Michelangelo envisioned what he called, I'm not going to say it in Italian, I'll give you the English translation, he called it the image of the heart. I didn't give you the Italian because I can't pronounce it. Um, I don't want to sound smarter than I really am. Uh, He called it the image of the heart. In other words, he believed that the masterpiece was already inside the stone. And his job was to chisel away everything that was not that. For you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew, how? In Christ Jesus. 
so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We may be different, we may grow differently, but in a spiritual sense, we are headed in the same direction. This passage in Ephesians told us that he gave the spiritual gifts of men to prepare God's people for works of service. For what reason? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, again, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The uniqueness of who you are and the uniqueness of the way you grow is not so that you become a more perfect version of the sinner that you are, but that you become all that Christ created and redeemed for you to be. And so that we would, in turn, do this together. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for the common good. Each one, according to Peter, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. We should be like our master who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's why I'm saying this. Too often... When we try to become what we think we should become, we're only doing it for our own good. We're doing it for our own identity. We're doing it because we think that maybe we can um, become something. Uh, We want that identity, so to speak. But the reason God does it in us is so that we can serve each other and become all that he has for us and so that the body of Christ may be built up. Paul says in Philippians this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now so much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. We are working out our salvation and sharing in the gospel. It's the same spirit that indwells me, that indwells Mark Colvin, um, that indwells Uh, Sheila, that indwells each and every single one of us. The same Holy Spirit indwells us. We are becoming Christ-like in order that the body of Christ may be built up. Too often the comparisons that we have with one another hinder us. Charles Spurgeon, who's a great pastor of the 1800s, once said this, talking about two other great preachers of his day, uh, George Whitfield and John Wesley. He said this, Whitfield and Wesley might be able to preach the gospel better than me, but they cannot preach a better gospel. Too often we quit doing what we're supposed to do because we care about how we look. We're not that different than middle school and high school girls. We just may become a little more subtle in the way we think about it, in that we would quit what God has called us to do because we're afraid of how we look. We are to grow up in every way into Christ, the head. I want to encourage us today to understand that we are unique. We're uniquely made. We're uniquely gifted. We're uniquely growing. 
And we're doing this together into what Christ intends for us to be. My question for us really today is, are we? Or are we stuck trying to be, as Samuel said, a puzzle piece that's not the the right piece, but comparing us to the rest of the pieces around us? Knowing who we are in Christ and then growing up into him. Let me close with this one passage from Revelation. It's really a unique passage talking about the end. Let everyone who can hear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Everyone who is victorious shall eat of the hidden manna, the secret nourishment from heaven. And here's the one I want you to see. And I will give to each a white stone. And on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one else knows except the one receiving it. You're so uniquely made. And Christ loves you so much. There's been a lot of argument of what is the name on this stone. But whatever it is, it's the you that Christ intends for you to be. Now, it may be that we don't receive, we don't know fully until that day. But if we can begin to embrace the uniqueness of who Christ has made us and who we are and his, his gifting in our life and his redemptive purposes in and through us, think of what a different church we would be, a different people we would be, a different family that you would, you would be. I want to encourage you to live a life worthy of the Lord. Praise him in every way. Bear fruit in all that you do. Grow in the knowledge of God. Be filled with his power and give thanks for how he made you with with joy. One of the things I I want us to do, we're going to have a time of ministry right now. We're going to pray for one another. And one of the calls of this time, we, we, we always have ministry time some point in the service. But this morning, particularly, if, if you need prayer for healing or deliverance or direction, all of those are open for prayer. You may come with a specific need that you want somebody to pray with you. And we're going to have these ministry teams and couples that are going to be spread out across the front to pray with you. But specifically, you may be here today and be struggling with your identity and your uniqueness in Christ and what it is that God wants you to do. Should I be this or should I be that or... And I, I believe that God is here to meet with you, to help you and direct you uh, in his plan and his purpose for your life. Stand up with me if you would and we'll pray. And as I, we pray, I'm going to ask the ministry teams to come to the front. As they're at the front, if you need prayer for any of these things, come and receive prayer and receive ministry this morning. Lord, we thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We thank you for your purposes and plans that are being accomplished in our lives. Lord, I pray that the lies of the enemy that are so present to accuse us and to keep us from becoming all that we're supposed to become would just be silenced right now. And I pray, Spirit of God, that you would speak truth into our lives today. Come, Holy Spirit. May your presence fill this place.
If you need prayer right now, come to one of these teams. Adrian is going to lead us in a time of worship as we minister life to one another.